step on up, sit down, twist off that bottle top, or crack open that can. And welcome to Porch Matters. This is Terry Cagle coming to you from my back porch. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. The name of this show is authentic. On Porch Matters, our saying is this. Big issues are just friendly conversation. Nothing is off limits. We take pride in being able to talk about anything with each other in an open discussion. Open discussion is one of the only ways to learn. Your perspective could be changed. You could change the perspective of others. I'm happy to be coming to you from our new podcast host. If you missed the announcement on the Facebook page or Facebook group, this podcast is now hosted by Buzzsprout and is now on several new directories. Please go like the Facebook page and join the Facebook group for more information and future announcements. As always, I want to say thank you for spreading the word about the podcast. Please keep sharing the show links to your friends and please invite your friends to like the page and join the group. Before I go any further, I just want to say to all of you who are living in Louisiana or have family in the path of Hurricane Laura, you're all in my thoughts and prayers for safety. On this episode, we are going to be yet again covering a sensitive topic. I think it could be our most sensitive topic to date. On this episode, we are going to be talking about the death of the family gathering. Without further ado, let's get started. Melissa, how you doing tonight? How was your weekend? It's a good weekend. I got two days off instead of just one. <laughs> the past couple of weeks, we've worked every Saturday, and I still don't get home to about seven or eight o'clock at night. But we had this weekend off, and I enjoyed it. I played Zombieopoly. It's like Monopoly, but zombie form. Oh, okay. I'm not a big fan of Monopoly at all. I don't think I've ever finished a game. And last night, I think we sat at this table for like three or four hours, and uh, we were neck and neck for a while. But then Elena just mud stomped me and her daughter into the ground <laughs> bought a lot of real estate huh yeah and it was big real estate it was like twelve hundred dollars rent when you landed on it i was like no <laughs> <laughs> and then she had all of the what would be considered hotels but they're like they're screaming humans instead you put those on there and then not only do you have to pay well no it, it's more because all of that property had all the screaming humans on it so it was like three or four hundred dollars more just because she had all of that she stomped us jason how was your day and how has your weekend been so far sir well my weekend has been pretty uneventful i had to work today and, and tell you the truth it's been pretty rough this week uh, the alabama heat has just beat me up man it's just been rough it's been pretty bad. If you can make it through the Alabama heat, you're pretty tough. Agreed. It's not necessarily the heat, it's the humidity. Oh, man. Yeah. The humidity will suffocate you. I guess the only place that could be worse maybe would be South Louisiana or something like that. South Louisiana or South Florida. Yeah. South Florida, more tropical mm-hmm. setting. My weekend was pretty good. Went and spent some time with my wonderful lady, Stacy. An update on my grandmother. For those of you that may or may not have known, she ended up having to be in the hospital for a little while, and then she had to do some rehab in the nursing home. But everything is right in the world now because Grandma's home. Went and spent some time with her today and ate some watermelon. I'm getting smiles from Mr. Akins. He's not the only amateur farmer around here. I've never been paid for gardening. I grew up planting gardens and everything with my grandparents. Now that my grandpa's passed, my uncles tried to keep that going, and we had a watermelon out of the garden today. We've had a pretty good crop this year. A lot of tomatoes and a lot of squashes, zucchini. We even had some okri. Okri. I knew that'd get a rise out of you. 
let's get to the meat of the matter that we are here. Tonight, as we record this, it is night. You can hear the crickets chirping in my background. The porch is hopping. It looks like a satanic ritual around here. I don't know how it looks for y'all, but I swear I'm not trying to summon any demons or anything like that. I am simply trying to keep bugs off of me. This has been a constant fight on this back porch that I am happy to fight, but I needed some help, much like Jason needed some stink bait and everything for his garden. I need candles, citronelle, and everything to keep some of these bugs off of me because apparently I am too sweet. You look like you've lost some weight, bud. Yeah. Well, thank you. Tonight, we are going to be talking about a very sensitive subject yet again. The reason why this is going to possibly the most sensitive subject that we have talked about so far is while I'm not trying to take anything away whatsoever from the other topics that we have had, the reason why I say this is possibly more sensitive is the other topics haven't necessarily affected us directly, whereas this particular subject is one that I believe in very strongly, and this one affects everybody, no matter what race, color, or creed you are. Tonight, we are going to be talking about the death of the family gathering. Now, what is a family gather? A family gathering is a lot of different things and a lot of different types. You have family get-togethers, which would consist of birthdays, holidays, anniversaries, those type of things, or just getting together with your family to have a little barbecue during the summertime. It's a family gathering. You also got family reunions. And I don't know how popular family reunions are worldwide, but down in this neck of the woods in Alabama, they used to be a very, very big thing, especially with the older generation. It's a yearly meeting of extended family. And by extended family, I mean cousins, second, third, fourth, whatever. Everybody comes together like a little potluck deal. You'll meet up at a community center. They'll meet up somewhere at somebody's house, bring chicken, bring something that they've made, whatever. Everybody has a real good meal, sits in fellowships and talks to one another, usually once a year. And then you also have another big thing that's in the South, especially decorations. Now, decorations is a yearly event held at the cemetery. And some of you's probably thinking held at the cemetery. Yeah. It is held at a cemetery, and that's where friends and family gather together, and they'll decorate the graves with flowers or pictures or whatever, and they'll just sit, again, just sitting around and fellowshipping. Used to, at some, there were a lot of big tables and everything set up, and it was everybody bring a dish, everybody ate real good. Well, especially with your older generations, that was sometimes the only time they got together. Jason, Melissa, have either one of y'all got any fond memories of decorations, family reunions, or any kind of family get-togethers? Share with us some of your good memories. And All right, who would you like to go first? You go ahead. I had a lot, I have a lot of fond memories on both sides of my family, my mom's side and my dad's side. My grandparents lived 15 minutes down the road from us, and every summer, it was the 3rd July in summer, we would go up to Canyon in the Clouds in uh, Georgia, and uh, we'd meet up with my grandmother's side of the family, like her, her sisters and their kids and all that team. It used to be a big event. And then after, we had some really good food because... I mean, there was a lot of old cooking going on there. I remember when somebody brought the first KFC bucket in <laughs> and everybody was like confused. They were like, well, you didn't cook it, but it was still okay. I mean, it was still fun. And then after that, we would walk down into the canyon and go on this hike. Now, we did this from the time I can remember to about my um, mid-20s. This was an every year thing. 
And then on my uh, dad's side, his brother and a sister-in-law would throw a Christmas party every year on my birthday for all the people to come get together and exchange gifts and whatnot. That was always also one of my favorite times of year because sometimes that was the only times I saw some of my cousins. Through the years, I mean, we would have cookouts and everybody would come over. And I mean, I just had, you know, people say it's most of the time your cousins are your first set of friends, right? And I had some of the best friends growing up that were my cousins. We would get together on a makeshift go-karts or real go-karts or some of them that you know it's a bit more dangerous because <laughs> they built them <laughs> i never got to build one but they build go-karts and we get on those and ride around go but ride our bicycles and we'd stay up to like one o'clock in the morning in the neighborhood playing hide and seek in the dark and we could use the entire neighborhood and that's what we did on our family gatherings <laughs> Jason, what about you, buddy? Any fond memories of any kind of family gathering? For my family, it was generally holidays when we would get together. Those were always something we look forward to, but I happened to live by my grandparents, similar to you guys. So on a lot of Sundays, cousins would come up and we would look forward to Sunday because that would give us kids to play with. We would always enjoy that. Of course, decoration. Uh, we had a couple of cemeteries where that was a very big thing, and you always looked forward to it because you didn't see just family, but you saw extended family. A lot of them you never saw any other time but decoration. Of course, the food was fantastic. It was just a good time, a good time to get together and see people and to learn who people were, who you were connected to. It was valuable in that sense. And you know, the funny thing about decoration, I've been thinking about it. Thoris isn't the only culture that does a similar thing. If you look at Japanese culture and some of the, especially some of the Asian cultures, Mexico, for instance, they do a lot of decorating at the cemetery a certain time of the year and come together as a family. I think that's just something that kind of crosses cultures. And it's especially big in parts of the South. I've read in the past a little bit of that has to do with post-Civil War due to there being so many deaths that took place that became much more significant for people to get together and then and try in some way to be close to the people they lost. I have nothing but good memories of family gathering. Didn't have so much on the reunion side. Been to a few reunions, and they were always good to go to. But we were a lot more interactive on a regular basis with each other, whether it be Sundays, everyone coming to my grandparents, or just interacting with extended family throughout the community. My family is, was, still is, a very large family. My grandmother had seven or eight brothers and sisters. My grandfather had seven or eight as well. Our family was always big. On my dad's side, we didn't get together. We didn't get together that much, is what it is. My mother's family believed wholeheartedly in getting together. Grandma and Grandpa used to do what we used to call the summer tour. Every Sunday, between decorations and or other family reunions, they were going to them. Sometimes we'd go with them. Sometimes we'd miss a few for two or three months they were either at a decoration or a family reunion they tried to pass it on down to us i to this day still organize my grandmother's extended family's family reunion it's once a year and it's for our christmas dinner what we always used to do on christmas whenever grandma and grandpa did it we'd rent the local community center down here everybody would bring a plate bring chicken whatever would sit around we'd eat we'd fellowship now we go to a restaurant part of it has changed but some of it has changed for the better i put it up for a vote so that's the way we did it a lot of people felt pressured on the cooking thing so they just soon go somewhere else and let them clean up the mess <laughs> so it works out good i've been planning it for uh, five or six years now. Thank you. In that instance, 
there's some there's sometimes that's the only time some of my family members see one another i'm doing my best to make sure that it stays alive we also got decorations that we go to now that my father has passed i have his decoration to go to every year i have my grandfather's decoration to go to over at the local cemetery he's buried there his brothers and his sisters and his mother and his father is all buried together right there so we all gather up there and we'll decorate make sure the grass is cut and you know we just try and take make sure the place is took care of and we'll sit there and share memories and tell stories and take pictures and whatnot one of the main reasons why this topic hits home especially with me is family gatherings and total seem to be going away and that's one of the main things that we want to talk about tonight if i sound like i'm getting serious because i am because i believe this is a very serious topic and again it's one that i believe in wholeheartedly my roots are with my family we might not always see eye to eye on everything nobody ever does no family is perfect but at the end of the day whenever anything comes about and you need somebody nine times out of ten it's going to be those family members that you wouldn't think that it would be there because you was at each other's throats or whatever i am a firm believer that family isn't always blood some people have blood that isn't family but at the end of the day blood is still blood again those family gatherings seem to be going away jason why do you think family gatherings as a whole seem to be going away you don't hear people talking about them near as much as you used to no you don't you'll hear me say a lot on our episodes that and it's just kind of how my mind works how i look at things i tend to look at things from a historical perspective as far as okay what's the case here over a span of time because i think it's most of us when we notice something happening we we kind of think that it's recent but I, I think on this you can go back in history and see the beginning then i think it happens slowly imperceptibly and then it starts to speed up during the 80s and in the 90s it gathers more speed and then we're where we are now can, can i take a second and just explain go for it okay you know if, if you look after the world war ii era society changed in this country we made a lot of advances in a lot of different areas before that not a whole lot changed for about well as far back as as we had life was pretty much the same if that makes any sense makes perfect sense because before then the only thing anybody ever had was their family they had to have large families to work the field they had to have large families to be able to go cut timber they had to have large families to survive right i think um, human evolutionary psychologists would tell us that there's something going back thousands of years in our very DNA that we feel a necessity to be familiar with our kin, be familiar with the tribe, because our security and our place in the world is directly tied to that. And I think that goes throughout time, deep in our subconscious. But I think once you get past the World War II and you start getting into the 50s and the 60s, we became a much richer society in this country. And, and we can always speak for this country. Goods became cheaper. Right. Economic upward mobility for a lot of people was much more likely than it had been in the past. So some of those things that we relied mainly on family for, we didn't have to rely on them as much because there were was an individualism and a materialism that started to take hold. I think that was the beginnings, and you really saw it taking shape in the 60s, of a movement of self-realization. In other words, who am I? Focus on the self. Focus on me. 
And then that takes you outside of that family, that unit. I really think you see the roots of the change there. I mean, of course, you had a, a lot of upheaval during the 60s, a lot of social upheaval. And the beginning of, uh, of an estrangement over different issues as society was changing. And I think that lays the groundwork. What do you feel like some of the changes, as you're saying, because I, I think you're going down a, an interesting road and I don't want to stop you. You were talking about how it was more of an arise of an individualistic way of thinking, more me instead of we. Right. Kind of expound on what you were talking about and how does, some, in, in an instance, thinking more of me isn't necessarily a bad thing right. in my way of thinking. Right. But at the same right. time, if it takes away from we, as in the family, I could definitely see where that would be an issue. I think, uh, and I agree with you, I don't think that uh, a focus on self or on me is a bad thing necessarily. I think it can be a very good thing. I believe the role that it plays in the beginnings of, uh, I'm going to call it the dissolution or the drifting apart, so to speak. I almost call it a diaspora, like the um, Jewish people went through a family as a unit. Now, not, we're not talking about the nuclear family. We're talking about the extended family, family gatherings, as, right. as, as you've been discussing. Right. I think the changes were on different fronts. One, with the rise of materialism, the rise of upward economic mobility that cut into it in one way because our identification with family over hundreds, thousands of years has directly impacted family members in the way of economic upward mobility. In other words, if I'm looking for a job, I really need a job. Well, if I can see Uncle Joe or whoever or someone in the family that is in a leadership position or, or position to help me at the reunion and talk to him, it's much more likely he might can get me a job or she might can get me uh, help me get into uh, this or, or, or whatever I'm looking for, and they would be more likely to help because they're family. Absolutely. Well, when I don't need that anymore because of this new upward mobility that, that we haven't had in the past, that takes away one thing. You bring in the individualism, the self-actualization. I think that really started taking hold bigger in the 60s. Society was changing, and I think people started looking at things they had just been kind of taken for granted as the mores and what you lived by, and you had some that were questioning that. And of course, when you question those traditions, when you question those ways of thinking, now you have friction. Now you have the possibility of estrangement. So all of a sudden, cousin so-and-so doesn't come around anymore. This one doesn't come around anymore. Now you introduce drama. You introduce a little small bit of chaos because other than the normal chaos that all families have under any circumstance, uh, because you have people who are like, you know what? This isn't my scene anymore. I'm not growing from this. I'm not learning from this. I don't even really relate to you people. I think this way. So I believe that started breaking things down. Once you go on into the 70s and the 80s, especially the 80s and the early 80s, when the divorce rate started to climb, and it climbed dramatically in the 80s, incredibly, compared to years past. You know, that's where people our age would call Generation X or the very beginning of the millennial generation, the latchkey kid syndrome, where there was divorces. I mean, it, it really changed society. When divorce rates started going up like that, well, that affected 
affected family gatherings as well, because all of a sudden now you have a broken home. Maybe this father or this mother doesn't come around the in-laws anymore. Maybe the children are under pressure to not like this side of the family anymore. Maybe this side of the family doesn't accept the children as much anymore because their son or daughter or niece or nephew, what have you, is no longer connected through marriage. And that really, really begins just um, an acceleration. When you bring in the aspect of remarriage, you would think, well, that might stabilize things, but it doesn't. According to some of what I read, it generally makes it worse. Because okay. now you, well, okay, now you bring in someone who is connected to the individual that they've married, but those are not their children. If there are children, maybe there are no children. And the families, a lot of times there is a tug of war or a split as to accepting that new marriage, that new person. You don't have those connections. Once you start introducing those strains, people go to gatherings less because it's uncomfortable, because there are hard feelings, and that continues to eat away at the breakdown of the family gatherings. Then you throw in, you're going out of the 80s into the 90s, that older generation, the World War II generation, the last of that generation that really wasn't a part of what we're talking about, they're dying, they're leaving. So you have almost a perfect storm of events. Okay, mom and daddy aren't here anymore. What am I doing with these people? I'm not connected to them anymore. I can do whatever I want. You know what? I don't really like so-and-so over there. You lose that glue. You lose, and, and I know you guys are going to speak on this too. Um, I'm sure cover it really well. You lose that patriarch or that matriarch that holds it all together. And all of these different factors, and I know there are other factors that I'm that I'm leaving out that I'm not aware of. All of these other factors come in, close it down. Melissa, what are your thoughts on what he just said? Uh, I agree. And there's a bunch of different levels, I think, to reason why people don't get together anymore. And it goes back to what you said. And I'm going to elaborate just a little bit on what you said. Back when families were huge, you know, you needed them to work through land and whatnot. That's all they knew to do. That's all opportunity they had. And now we have, we've introduced different opportunities. You don't have to work your dad's land anymore. And you don't have to do, you know, that you can go off to college. You can go off and, and you have so many other kind of careers going on. And the other thing is travel. Because, you know, even a hundred years ago, travel was a lot harder than it is today. You couldn't go across country just because you felt like it. Yeah, there were cars, but they were mainly for local travel. Right. But as soon as, because like you said, the 50s, 60s, and 70s, when travel really started becoming a big thing, people started kind of breaking apart because you could. You could go out and see the world now. And there's other opportunity out there. So that uh, attributes a lot, I think, to the depth of societal get-togethers. But as far as internally, like you just said, my grandparents, um, I lost them the last year and this year. And my grandmother was like the glue that held this family together. We showed up to her house because she wanted to see us for Christmas and Thanksgiving and whatnot. My granddaddy, he would always cook this huge, huge meal. Well, last Thanksgiving, I ended up cooking the meal, me and my uncle. And that was weird for me. Not that I wouldn't do it. It's just that I didn't expect that I'd have to. But I had to step up and cook the meal. Otherwise, we weren't going to have Thanksgiving because he was really feeble and he couldn't do it. And he didn't have anybody else to help him. But it, and he enjoyed cooking and having all that food to have everybody come over. And we, everybody would show up. After his passing, nobody goes over there anymore. My uncle's still there. But, you know, nobody really wants to go over there anymore. And it's not because of my uncle. It's just because it's they're gone. So with that, you know, they're the ones that organized all these things and brought them together. Now, my older sister, she does really well at keeping all of us kids together. Like, she'll organize something at least twice a year or try to, so we can all come. 
and she'll say, she'll be like, well, I'm gonna throw a birthday party for so-and-so. Do you want to come? You know, we're going to have all kinds of people here. So she's doing her best to try and keep that up. And I don't want to disappoint my sister neither. I'm not one to organize something like that, but that also is, that also attributes to the thing of people not getting together anymore because people like me that don't do that organization i'll go if there's one but i can't organize it i don't know how to do that i don't know how she does it but she plans it she does really well people show up and then we're on our way she's doing her best to keep us all together and it's not that we don't want to see each other but i moved to ohio before that i lived in tennessee and i could only get to see them once or twice a year and so that's partly my fault but again that attributes to the travel and the career choice that i made because i'm traveled the whole country it's not that i don't have time for my family i know they're there and you know once it's gone it's gone and i, I regret that wholeheartedly but i also know that this is what i have to do to, to live now this is the career but i'm still going to make a big effort to get down there whenever there's any kind of gathering that that somebody's putting on but as far as my grandparents side of it goes there's probably not going to be another one and that that really makes me upset i mean i love the house i love the way it smelled i mean it just gave this it, it smelled like thanksgiving or it smelled like christmas or it smelled like summer that's just the way it is and now it's never never going to be that way again so i know that part's gone and that makes me sad but because of these events i know what not to i know i'm not going to see what i've seen before i know it's not going to happen I think you're hitting the nail on the head. I think a lot of it has to do with deaths of matriarchs and patriarchs. Why? At the end of the day, whether there was conflict in the families, there was ever any toxic family members or anything in there that we didn't always get along with. At the end of the day, whenever all of the excuses was out of the way, we went for that grandmother. We went for that grandfather. We went to go see that great aunt or that great uncle that we hadn't seen in a while. There was always at least one that was the glue that kept everybody coming together, kept everybody biting their tongues and being civil for that little bit of time so they could all spend time together. But when they are no longer on this earth, it's like it's the last bit of glue that was holding everything together. Now you don't have to go. I don't want to go be around that person. That person gets on my nerves. I don't even want to go and be anywhere near this person because as soon as I say the wrong thing, I'm going to blow up. I may or may not be speaking to the choir right here on this porch on this. I'm not asking anybody to air any dirty laundry. That's not why we're here. We're here because I believe that this is a very important topic. And I think that between the three of us and our listeners, maybe we can turn the tide, Is at least in our own inner circles anyway. Because if we focus on our, on our circle, the way I was raised, I was taught this at a very young age. You throw a rock in a pond... The water where the rock hit is not the only part that's affected. There's a ripple effect that goes all over the entire pond. Kids that are homeschooling right now, go try that as a science experiment. If you're listening, get a big rock, throw it as far as you can into the middle of that pond. I'll guarantee you, you will see a ripple that goes all the way around the perimeter of the pond. Why? That's the way it works. Anything positive or anything negative that happens to any of us in our lives, it's the equivalent of the rocket in the pond. And our family, our close friends, whomever we choose that, to call family, whether it's toxic relationships, you've been adopted, you have no dealings with your family whatsoever, so you went out and you've created your own and or found a lot of close friends that are niched together. However you want to define your, quote, family, at the end of the day, anything that we do, it affects everybody in our circle. It affects everybody in our pond. So that's why, again, I hate to keep saying this, but this topic is just huge to me because 
I grew up doing all of this stuff. I grew up with very, I was blessed. When my mom and dad both worked, I stayed with my grandparents. I've said this before. My grandparents raised me just as much, if not more so, than my mom and dad did because my mom and dad had to work and I had to stay with somebody. It's just the way it was. If I wasn't in school, I was with my grandparents up to whenever I became a teenager. During the summer times, we'd be out in the gardens. We'd be planting stuff, getting rid of the grass, tilling, plowing, you name it, all the way up to gathering. You know, I've got horror stories of peas. I hate peas. I hate picking them, hate planting them, hate shelling them. Do you have one of those automatic shell pin machines? Yes, sir. I sure did. They were these fingers right here. Yes, I had that too. I have a little horror story myself when it comes to those two. Okay. <laughs> we had one that you would stick it in and these rollers would actually shell it. I was always afraid to use it because I, I had a, this, hor this horrible fear that my fingers would go in there. But we really thought that was some kind of miracle of modern science. <laughs> but we would go, grandma and grandpa would want to go see their brothers and sisters. We used to plant a garden right down the road, less than a half a mile. If these storage buildings in the woods wouldn't here, I'd be able to see it plain as day. We called it the flat field. One of grandpa's brothers, he lived in, he lived in Birmingham at least three or four times a week. <laughs> he would come down and we would work field together. That was one way that grandpa kept in touch. His brother and his sister, one of them still alive and they used to live right down there. That would be the one that I go to and help burn the stomp out. Oh, okay. With my grandma's family. Some of them are hopefully listening to this. If so, hey y'all. <laughs> but there was some up in Townley. I know a lot of people might not know where that is, but it's in the northern part of Walker County. We would drive up there and see my grandmother's sister and her family. We, she had a brother that lived over around, around Bagley Corner. We'd go over there and visit with them. She had another brother that lived up in what they call Sneed. It's a little community in Blount County. We would go up there and visit her brother and his wonderful wife that has now passed as well as him their children and grandchildren. I, I grew up around them. I'm still very close to one of those cousins that are still up there. Now, I've got family scattered everywhere. <laughs> but I was blessed in that sense that my grandmother and my grandfather would travel to different families and see them and spend time with them. And I was able to get to know them. And it wasn't just at family reunions and decorations and everything. We, it would be just, hey, load up in the truck. We're going. Okay. I guess that's another reason why I was kind of nominated to take over the Christmas party. I guess that'd be the case because I grew up with everybody. Whereas the other ones only seen one another maybe once a year. I got to see them multiple times a year because my grandparents would travel a lot. Go ahead, Jason. You just made me think when you said that because I remember when I was very young and it was much more prevalent for me when I was, I mean, I'm talking below the age of 10 going to some of these, see some of these people probably weren't alive by the time I was 12, but it was just kind of for a kid, it's like an adventure. It's kind of magical. That makes any sense. It does. But you know, what's weird to me to think about is, let me create this scenario for you. You just decide one day you're going to go see this relative. So you tell whoever, come on, get in the car. We're going to go see so-and-so. And you just go see them and everything's fine and everybody's glad to see you and they take their time to spend time with you. That almost sounds unimaginable in today's world. You're right. You know, but I could, I can imagine it like this in today's world. Now's not a good time. 
oh Lord, look who's here. Why I don't have time to fool with this. Oh man. I mean, I can think of so many things and I would be just as guilty as anybody. Just the difference in 20 or 30 years, maybe 40 years, um, the difference, it's, it's amazing. I can't imagine that now. You usually have to call ahead of time or a few days ahead of time just to make sure everybody's got a heads up sometimes. Well, that just yeah. goes again with the option and availability. Everybody's got a cell phone now. No, I remember when landlines were the biggest thing. We still have, I remember having a cord attached to the wall. You know, I grew up well, in the home too. But well, my, my grandparents did the same thing. My, I remember my aunt, my, my great aunts would come. My grandmother's sisters would come. And I'd be up all night just laughing. And my dad, my granddaddy's brothers would come. They'd cook steak, drink beer. And they do the same thing. They just, if we're over there visiting, they'd pick us up. And we'd either go to Birmingham to see my granddaddy's family. Or we would go to Chattanooga to see my grandmother's family. My brothers and sisters, I can't even say that they would come see me. I know I go see them, but like my brother, he just had two kids. He's working his butt off. But that just goes back to uh, an earlier topic that we had about how we work more now. My grandparents didn't work as much as we work. They worked hard, but, you know, six days a week, 10 to 12 hours a day. I mean, that's a lot. It's like the time is gone. I mean, I can pick up and go easier than any of them can come to see me because I don't have kids. <laughs> so it's easier for me to go. So I usually do. And I'm usually the one that brings, well, Melissa's coming. Are you going to come too? <laughs> and usually everybody comes because I'm coming. In the day as it is right now, you've got cell phones. I mean, good God, four and five-year-old kids have got cell phones this, this day and age. And that's another topic for another show. <laughs> I mean, like. They can type out stuff and work a tablet, but they can't write in cursive. I'm not going there. But you've got social media like crazy. The the ways that we have today to keep in touch are astronomical compared to what they used to be. But to, in my opinion, should be tools to bring everybody that much closer together. Whereas it's not. It doesn't appear to be that way. It appears to be pulling people more apart. My question to both of y'all is, has social media hurt family gatherings more so than anything? In my eye, and in my opinion, those should be tools to bring people together. But it, like I said, it doesn't appear to be that way. It appears like it's possibly making people stay apart more. What do y'all think? I agree to an extent. I mean, I think if it was used correctly, like a tool, like you said, you know, then people could use that to put events up and people can RSVP, but... My sister does that, but she also calls as well. The thing is, it's a cell phone. Some people forget that they can call, but get mad because somebody don't call them first. I, I call my, my I call everyone in my family at least once or twice in a week or in a couple of weeks because I want to talk to them. And I'm not ever mad that they don't call me, but that just seems to be the driving force. Sometimes the people, they get mad because somebody doesn't call them and they forget it works two ways. You can call whenever you feel like it. But some people also use it as a shield, like, well, you've seen me on Facebook, and exactly. uh, uh, I don't need to see anymore. I mean, I already see what I need to see. But we all know we don't post what we want to on Facebook. We don't get personable anymore. It's always the flashy, you know, here's what we're eating tonight, or, you know, pictures from Christmas or whatever that all go online so we can all see it. But we forget that there's stuff there. You know, I, I care deeply about my brothers and sisters. That's why I call them. <laughs> I talk to my mom at least every day. I try to utilize that tool to my benefit because I miss them and I want them to know I'm here and we'll have hours long conversations. There is no bad blood between me and my brothers and sisters and my mom or my dad or, you know, nobody. So I do my best to keep up 
with them. I don't want to just fall off the face of the earth and I don't want them to do that either. But that started to happen to me a couple, like let's say 10 years ago. I felt like I was kind of isolated, but I could have called them. And when I realized I could have called them, I just started doing it. <laughs> it's a very lonely place to be whenever you don't have your family around. Oh, in my case anyway, because I love my family. Jason, what do you think? I agree with Melissa. I, I think she's um, pretty spot on with that. I believe social media is good as far as communicating with family members and keeping up with certain things. I think it's positive applications for that are very limited. And the reason I say that is it's a good quick way to communicate with someone, say through a, through a private message. It's a good quick way to find out if something has happened to someone or someone is sick or what have you. I mean, I hate to sound morbid, but that's how I find out a lot of people have passed, not the obituary, but Facebook. It's really good in that sense. It's good in the sense of seeing, okay, this is what's going on with so-and-so. Okay, that's why it's good. I'm going to tell you why it's bad now. It's bad because it gives us a, an excuse. And when I say an excuse, I'm going to go kind of easy on all of us. People are working, and usually if, if it's a married couple, it's a two-income household. People are exhausted with, with just with modern life and, and what it takes. And so that becomes like, well, at least I can see them on Facebook. At least I can keep up with that way. That's the best I can do. I'm tired. Okay. Also, a lot of times social media, and I talk about Facebook, but I know there's other social media. It can breed resentment and jealousy because I'm not very good at this, but a lot of people are very good at producing a narrative, a facade of their life and what's going on in their life. And you want to put uh, this positive picture forward and this beautiful picture forward and, and how everything's going. I think it actually increases loneliness and increases self-doubt and resentment because people see that and it's not reality, man. It's just not reality, but it's what is being projected. Okay. You know, if I was going to make a movie, this is what I'm going to put and this is how I'm going to make you look. That's what's happening with that. So I, I think that is very destructive. I think it's something that's not talked about enough, the psychological impact on other people. I mean, I know I found myself looking at them. Well, man, look at that. Well, that's nice. And I look at myself and think, wait a second, what's wrong with me? So I think in that way, it's been bad. It's given us the excuse to not see each other. It can breed those type of feelings. That's kind of where I'm at on that with social media. It's it, just a limit, very limited tool, but in no way, shape, form, or fashion is it a substitute. Melissa? Well, what I was going to say is that you're right. People turn it into a substitute and we are creatures that need human touch. And we even get to the point where we forget how good a hug is. I cannot tell you how wonderful a hug from my mama feels. I can't describe that feeling on Facebook. You know, you're kind of filtering your life through these social media outlets. This so nobody knows. But again, it's, it's so easy to forget just how wonderful a hug is from a family member. Yeah, I want to go hug my sisters. I want to go hug my mom. And through these steps... And again, I was a victim of it for years and I did it to myself. I forgot what it felt like, but it, I didn't mean to forget. But through these interfaces, it became that way. And then when I had that hug you know, from my dad or whoever, I didn't care how mad I was at them. It was just like, oh, wow. And now reality's back. And yes, I needed that hug more than anything. <laughs> 
how big of a role do y'all think conflict in families and or toxic family members or toxic relationships have in this? Oh, they have a lot to do with it. Uh, from personal experience, I know people in my family that were even not going to show up just because one particular person in my family was going to be there, but ended up doing it anyway. But over time, they just stopped. And they said, I just can't stand to be around this person. And so, you know, they forget who it's important to rather than, you know, those feelings for that toxic person which is overwhelming sometimes. I agree with Melissa. I think it's another aspect of this progression through time because toxic family members that in the past we would have made excuses for or we might have tried to overlook, people don't feel that need to do that anymore. And that gets into the individualism and the options that are available outside of the family. They just say, you know what? I don't have to put up with this. I don't have to be around this. They opt out. And then that, unfortunately, a lot of times that will take other family members with them over time. And it, it, it just goes from there. It's just something that people don't tolerate anymore and, and, and can be in a, a very destructive force in a family. I think conflict in families and or toxic family members or relationships has a very huge part in all of it. Just to be honest with you, I have come to realize the older that I am, everybody always talks about how marriage is work. You have to put the work in to be able to make sure that the bond stays strong and everything like that. I've never been married. I can't speak of any kind of personal, you know what I'm trying to say. I can't think of the right word. But I also believe that family, even extended family, it's just as much work, if not more so, because you're not always around them all the time. And at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself one question. Not do I feel lucky, but is it worth it? And that's that's a little deep. But do we as individuals these days want to put in the work that it takes to smooth out differences, to work through and be able to tolerate that person who may or may not be toxic in your eyes? We've talked about this before with villains. Some of the best villains are the ones that think that they are absolutely right. And staying in this train of thought, a lot of times you're a villain in somebody's story, no matter how good you are. That's just the way it is. Do we, this day and age, think that family and or extended family, for that matter, and the individualistic nature that you're talking about, do we think that that's worth it? I'd like to hear y'all's thoughts on that. I totally think you're going to get a different answer on that every which way you go. Because me, personally, I am one to stick through the mud for the better of somebody else. I'll tolerate more from a family member than I would from anybody else just because they're family. Same. But yeah, but a lot of people nowadays, they don't. And there's nothing wrong with that, I don't think. But I mean, it's just difference in how you want to handle situations. Some people don't seem to be built for that kind of thing anymore. And, you know, at the time where it was like, and you were saying divorce kind of plays into this. My grandparents went through hell together. They have told me some horrible horror stories of their marriage, but divorce was never the option for them. They stayed together. They, they never even thought it was an option. But nowadays, it's it's so easy just to say, well, I'm done with this. And it's, it's weird to me to see the differences in how that generation is and now what today is. Because now today, people get married five or six times. But they point. held together 50 years. 
at one point in time, Jason, I think you know where I'm going with this. You might know this number more specifically than I do. Melissa, you might too. At one point in time, there was a poll done, and out of just strictly church-going Christians, the divorce rate was over 50%. I can't give an exact number. I'm, I'm going to say it was close to 60. Yeah, but, but that's just you know, an that, it's, it's a very strong example. Of you the know, difference right. between then and now, yeah. of how easy it is used, to wash your hands with somebody. Used to, it, it was a mindset. Once you said I do, you, and you said till death do us part, you meant it. It didn't matter. You know, I mean, Tammy Wynette caught a lot of grief over the song Stand By Your Man, <laughs> if you remember back in the day, but that was the mindset. Yeah. I love you. I might be mad at you right now, but we're going to work through this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, these days you can get divorced clean for about $300. Right. Then looking at, you know, listening to some of the stories that they told me, you know, the stuff that they stuck through together wouldn't even be a passing mind, a passing thing. Most people, like I said, are easy just to go, nope, I'm not doing that. You know, hmm. I'm not doing that. Of hmm. course, there's a line to draw. If they're bit, getting the snobby, uh, absolutely. Yeah, that's understandable. But absolutely. And don't, and make no mistake. Okay. What? Anybody in their marriages do, I again, who am I to talk? I've never been married. At the same time, if you're taking that as a possible offense, I mean it as none whatsoever. Yeah, I don't either. I don't know everybody's story. I don't know what y'all chose to live with or whatever. Everybody's story is different. Right. Okay. Right. In a lot in a lot of instances, if it ain't working out, it ain't working out. Go be happy. Okay. But at the same time, in every instance, you gotta look at it. Is it worth it? The older generation said, yeah, it's worth it. It didn't matter what it was. They stuck it out. Mm -hmm. Right or wrong, they stuck it out. I'm not placing judgment. I'm not blaming. I'm just making, I'm throwing that disclaimer out there for anybody who's listening to this. Okay. What anybody and everybody does inside their marriage or whatever is your own business and yours alone. That's a, yeah, that, I didn't mean anything negative by it either. I just meant, yeah. you know, from watching my grandparents, it worked out for them. Right. So I thought it was a beautiful thing, but I mm. know it doesn't work out in a lot of ways and that's fine. I'm, I'm right. not biased either way. I just am happy that their marriage ended up the way it ended up before they right. both passed. Yeah, my, my grandparents were married, I think it was like 67 years. I My my grandpa was a lot like her. He loved to aggravate. I got a lot of my needling from him. So anytime you talk about how I just love to aggravate anybody, yeah, that that's a direct result of Sam Williams. But he used to, <laughs> anytime he used to have an audience, it made it worse. He used to pick at my grandmother unmercifully. And they used to argue just like everybody else. But anytime you seen that man take a step, my grandma wasn't too far behind and vice versa. Anytime you seen my grandmother take a step, my grandpa wasn't too far behind. And whenever the last day that my granddaddy drove, guess where my grandma was sitting right there right. next to it. They were best friends. And you know, I, I, th I think at the end of the day, that's what I want. I have seen that as an example. I don't want to be the person that walks out in front and I don't want to be the person that walks behind. I want my future wife to be right there next to me and we walk step and step and we take on the world. We're a team and that's what I want. Go ahead, Jason. Really gave me a lot to think about. In some ways, we're in a double bind. And the reason I say a double bind because on one hand, things that 
people would tolerate in the years past. Now we would look at and say, you don't have to tolerate that. Right. That is un- that's unacceptable. And right. so I wonder how much we look at from the past where we say, boy, that sure was great when we didn't really know how bad it truly was, but they toughed it through. Whereas now we would say, no, you're wrong for doing that. Yeah. You should, you should be happy. You should go be happy. You can't be happy in that situation. So I, I think it puts us, and I'm not saying this, I'm not, I'm not passing judgment. I'm just saying no. it's a double bind we're in. And then as far as um, the toxic family members, and is it worth it? Is it worth it to, to put in the work and to deal with this and that? I, I'm, gonna, I'm in agreement with you. all I believe it's worth it. I truly do. At the same time, I also know it can be one of the hardest things you will ever do. Amen. Sometimes it will utterly fail. Yeah. No matter what you do, it will fail. And I know people right now, our age, who have who have talked about this very subject over the years with me, and and they're heartbroken. I mean, they're they're absolutely heartbroken because they're trying, but they're failing. And I don't know that it's possible for for them to succeed. And I would love for us to do a, another episode, a follow up episode, just talking nothing about these are the things you can do to try to give some hope you know because this i'm going to tell you this contributes to loneliness contributes to all kinds of problems for people this very subject we're talking about you're exactly right it hits home brother it hits home and it affects you on all fronts Um, but part of the thing that is working against us is our brain and the reason i the, the reason, the main reason I say that, and I'll use this illustration, say you're going to drive somewhere you haven't been to before, and it's going to be a two hour drive. And it feels like every, every, you feel every second of that two hours and you're like, boy, I'm never going to get there. You guys drive for a living. So you can understand what I'm saying mm. on your way back. It's like, boy, it seems like it's a lot faster coming back. Scientifically, the reason for that is because your eyes have already seen all of that scenery. Your brain, it's not new to it anymore. It takes it for granted. And there's something in our brain and just the way it has grown and evolved that takes for granted things that are not a threat. In other words, stimuli that is new gets our attention because if you were somebody living 5,000 years ago, a new stimuli might kill you. Right. So you better, it better get your attention. But now it's this we're like what we're talking about right now. We're noticing, wait a second, things aren't like they used to be. What's going on here? I think a large part of it or a large part of just what happens is we take for granted the things that have always been there. My grandfather used to always say, you don't miss the water till the well runs dry, son. We take it for granted. Then when it's gone, now that's a new stimuli. Now, wait a second, something doesn't feel right. It's a crisis. And we're at a point now to where in society, as, as we're discussing, that crisis is widespread. And you've got a lot of individuals looking around saying, I don't like this, just like we're doing right now. I'm not trying to go political or anything like that. But with the current climate that we're in right now, you're going to need your family a whole lot more than what you think you do. If anything major happens, like a major recession or a depression. And both of those are a very strong possibility with, with the way things are going right now. That being said, we all have to look in the mirror. We need to look at ourselves. We need to come to the conclusion of, is it worth it? If it is, what have you got to do to look past yourself and to look at your family? And what has each one of us got to do to be able to make the family systems work? 
because you have to put the work in. Everybody gets older. If we don't stay in contact constantly, or even if we do, our lives change. Jobs change. We move. We could get divorced. You could end up with somebody new. You could be single for forever and finally meet somebody, as in my situation. Shout out to you, Stacey. I love you. To go right along with what you're saying, sometimes and I'm saying this in the general sense, sometimes you're the toxic family member. Yeah, if you can't look around and pinpoint that toxic person in your family, you need to look in the mirror and you need to check yourself. I hate to say it that way, but that's the only way to say it. Sometimes you can't find that person because you're looking at them in the mirror and you don't notice it just the way it is. Sometimes you are the problem. I think that everybody needs to look in the mirror and have a gut check moment, as we used to call it in football and in baseball. Have a gut check moment. Look inward. Be able to ask yourself a question, depending on whatever your family circumstance is, whether it's you don't get along, you feel like the outsider. This person drives me crazy. This one over here does this. Whatever your situation is, you need to look and say, is it worth it? Are they worth it? If your answer is no, go on about your business and live your life. Because we all have an individual life that we do have to lead. The individualistic part of our lives is major. At the end of the day, there is nobody that can live your life other than you. You have got to do whatever it is that is going to make you happy. At the same time, Everything that we do has a ripple effect, everything. So if your answer on that question is yes, and you feel like your family is worth the effort, what are you willing to do? And if we put forth an effort, maybe, just maybe, they'll put forth the same effort and family gatherings can come back to what they used to. Any closing remarks from either one of y'all before we wrap this up? If you find yourself in a situation like that and you're trying to do something to make yourself happy, when you ask yourself, is it worth it? Also ask yourself, would you regret it if you didn't do it? And what would you regret? It might yes. help you make a decision to make you more comfortable with yourself. Yes. What about you, Jason? Any closing remarks? If you haven't put much time into it as far as thinking and, and what are your options as far as maybe affecting a positive change, be willing to swallow bitter pills. In other words, be willing to accept that some things may not be coming back. That's life. Things change, but there are things you can do and there are ways you can reach out and still move on. And, and I know that's a discussion for another time, but understand that this happens. It's not unusual. You don't have to be alone. You, know, you may have to accept that someone's changed. They're not the person they were 20 years ago or that there's been a lot of death and all of a sudden you woke up and you go to the cemetery and more of your family's in the ground that are standing there with you. That's a wake-up call. So you just got to look at, okay, where am I at right now today? Where do I want to go? Where do I want to be? It's not going to be the good old days because the good old days aren't ever coming back. Every day's a new day. Start down that road to um, getting where you want to be with family, with what family you can. That's all the time we have for this episode. Please like the page and join the group on Facebook at Ports Matters Podcast. Please subscribe or follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or the platform of your choice so you don't miss an episode. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate the show and leave us a review if you have the time. Thank you very much for listening. And catch us next time right here on Porch Matters.